Everyone say, on earth. Jesus taught in Matthew 6 and 10 that we ought to pray like this. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. Say it again with me. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth. On earth. It's so important. Especially when it comes to the message of the kingdom of God. This morning, I want to develop the thought that the, that the earth was actually created to be the home of the kingdom of God. Let that thought just begin to set on your mind. And we're going to take a few steps to opening that up for you. The earth was created to be the home of the kingdom of God. Now, first, let's start with the fact that the physical world, and this may be new news to some of you, is eternal. I know that we have an entire movement today that believes that the human race is going to destroy the planet. The human race cannot destroy the planet. It is impossible. And the Bible says in Psalm 78 and verse 69, the earth he has established forever. So the creator says the earth, the planet, was established forever. Ecclesiastes 1.4 says a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. So that's first. Our planet, the earth, is going to exist in eternity, perpetually. The next thing that uh, we want to look at as we're considering that the earth was created for the kingdom of God is consider that mankind is a hybrid creation. There's absolutely nothing like us. We are a hybrid creation, the dust of the earth mixed with the spirit of God. There's no creature that has that formula. Dust of the earth mixed with the Spirit of God. He is formed from the dust of the earth, designed in a physical body to be at home in the physical world and to have dominion over it. Everything about us clings to this physical world. I know that as Christians, because we think of heaven as the place that God inhabits, and we want our thoughts and our longings and our imagination, quite frankly, and our desires to always be set on heavenly things. And I know the scripture says, let your affections be set above on things that are above. But sometimes those things that are above does not mean that God wants us to be walking around thinking about heaven all the time. There's a reason why you feel at home on the earth. You're supposed to feel at home on the earth. You were made from the earth. You are the earth with the spirit of God in you. And so you were made to live in a physical place. Should you leave your body today and die, as they say, your soul will go to heaven to be with the Lord. But that's only a temporary arrangement. God's plan for the earth is eternal. You were not made to live in heaven. You were made to live on the earth. In Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28, then God said, let us make humankind in our image after our likeness so they may have dominion over all the earth. So they may have dominion 
over all the earth. Though God is a spirit, the Bible says. He is invisible, the only true wise God, Paul writes to Timothy. And he lives in the invisible spirit realm, occupies it. There's no room in that spirit realm for anybody but God. He is omnipresent. Hallelujah. Omnipresent. So, um, glory to God. Though that's a fact, when he made us in his image and likeness, isn't it interesting that he made us physical? He is not physical, but he created us physical in his image and in his likeness. And so Psalm 115 verse 16 says, The highest heaven belongs to the Lord, but he has given the earth to the descendants of Adam. Now, we have been given dominion, we've not been given ownership. When the Bible says the earth he has given to the sons of Adam, he's referring to the fact that he's given us dominion. He has given us accountability, responsibility, dominion. The word dominion comes from the word domain. God intended the earth to be the home of the kingdom of God. So he thinks of it as the, a kingdom, dominion, as a domain. And we were given the responsibility and the right to rule over it. Now, the highest heaven belongs to the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of man. In addition to the fact that we were made physical out of the dust of the earth, we, we associate with the earth, though man was formed from the dust of the earth, he was made alive by the breath of God. So heaven breathed into us. We are a hybrid. We are a hybrid. And, and our dominion on earth, because we were animated or made alive with the Holy Spirit, our dominion is eternal. The earth is eternal and our dominion is eternal. The spirit of man is an eternal spirit. It was breathed into us by the breath of God. Now Psalm 145 in verse 13 says, Your kingdom is an eternal kingdom. And your domain endures through all generations. Now, I expect that the paradox did not jump up immediately and grab you, but if you look at that a couple of times, there is what appears to be a paradox. He's obviously speaking of God's kingdom, and he says, your kingdom is an eternal kingdom. And we know that God is eternal. Your kingdom is an eternal kingdom. And your dominion, now listen to the language. God's not just repeating what he just said. He's expanding on what he just said. And your dominion endures through all generations. Everyone say all generations. all generations. God's got one generation. He wasn't born and he lives forever. So who has generations? Who generates? Who regenerates? Humankind. So here he's talking about the kingdom of God being eternal, and he mixes his metaphors and says, your dominion endures through all generations. Clearly, clearly a reference to mankind and to the authority he has given us. So God already here in this statement is overlapping, if you will, his eternal existence and eternal kingdom to our earthly domain as the kingdom of God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's going to hit somebody at some point. Feel free to jump up and shout hallelujah when it does. Glory to God. 
So it's apparent that man was created for the eternal kingdom of God on earth. Let's begin to put these pieces together. In man, God creates a door for himself into the physical world. God is spirit. He makes the earth physical. He makes the image and likeness of himself physical and then gives all authority over the earth to that physical being. Are you listening now? So the authority has been given to a physical being in a physical realm. So God being the invisible spirit inhabiting eternity, he created the condition by which he needs a body in order to operate in earth. He made that condition. God's not weak and he needs a body. God, in his perfect order and plan, created a context that he would put himself into, but first he set up the laws that govern it. And the laws that govern it are that any authority in this realm must be physical in nature. That is awesome. That is absolutely awesome. So God is not afraid that things get out of hand or his authority's gotten away from him. He did it, everyone say deliberately. So God needs a body in order to operate on earth. This is why God, throughout the Bible, has always sought the cooperation of people on earth in order to do his will. I want to challenge you, some of you Bible scholars, go through and look, and even as it says, in Amos 3.7, God does nothing but that he reveals it first to his servants, the prophets. You'll find that everything God did, he first found a man or found a woman that he could inspire with that plan and get them to either pray or act in connection with what he wanted to do. And then God did everything that he wanted to, but not without going through the authority of someone like you and I. Moses is the classic example. It says in Exodus 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? They're standing at the Red Sea. God's given him this great plan. Now, every time God smote Egypt, what did he do? He had Moses take the staff and do something, right? So when he wants to deliver the Hebrew uh, people, what does he do? He goes and finds Moses. In fact, you could see that he set Moses apart for this very purpose from the time he was born. His whole life has led to that moment. And so God didn't say, I see the slavery going on in Egypt, and that really bums me out. And so I think this is wrong, and I'm just going to come down out of heaven, and I'm going to smash these wicked Egyptian slave owners, and I'm going to free all those slaves and uh, they're just going to know that God did it. Of course, they won't know that God did it. I mean, it just happens all of a sudden. It would be what people call a happening. So God, God went and got Moses. And he said, you're going to need to go. You're going to need to speak for me. And by the way, here's a stick. Really? The, Moses has got wise men. He's got soldiers. He's got, uh, you know, guards. He's, he's got jails. He's got, you know, I get a stick. But the stick became the rod of God. So he's standing at the Red Sea, and God says, stop whining. That would be the modern translation. Why are you crying out to me? Stop whining. 
Tell the people, get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the waters. Can you imagine God telling you to stand at the edge of the Gulf of Mexico? Doggone it. Stretch your stick out over the Gulf of Mexico and part it. But God does things like that, doesn't he? Why? What was he wanting? Did he think Moses could do any of that? Moses could stretch the stick out. But that's where it ends. God knows that. He needs to use Moses' authority as a man, as a human being, on the earth. And so he says, raise your hand over the water, divide it, so that the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And of course, Moses does exactly that. Who parted the Red Sea? Who did he use to do it? He uses Moses to do it. Now, take that pattern and throughout the scriptures, you're going to find God always works through people. By the way, this is also why Satan cannot work in the earth without getting somebody to work with him. The devil doesn't have more power than God. Satan, look, uh, you know, we get so Hollywood-like. We've read too many fictions. We think the devil's walking around. He just jumps on people and... Satan, demon spirits, must have people emotionally, mentally, or through their actions, one way or the other, make an opportunity. They need to open themselves. They need to cooperate. The devil does not, nor demons, have any authority to do anything in the earth. They have to get people. That's why there's witches. That's why there's politicians. I'm just kidding. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. So look, the, ultimately, ultimately, nothing can happen in the earth unless people allow it to happen. Do you know that uh, when it came time for Jesus to be betrayed, it says in Luke 22, then entered Satan into Judas, and he went to the leading priests and captains of the temple guard to discuss the best way to betray Jesus to them. They couldn't get their hands on Jesus. The devil could not or have Jesus arrested without entering a man and getting him to do it. And that's why it says in Ephesians, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on the cause of your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. So ultimately, let's put some of this together a little bit more. God planned from the very beginning to come into the earth himself in human form. That was ultimately his plan. When he made the first Adam, it was really the second Adam that God was, was going to put all his money on. Can you say amen? Um, so we were a placeholder for Jesus, the second Adam, to come and to fulfill God's calling in our life. Hebrews 10.5 says, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offerings you have not desired but a body you have prepared for me. So here's the eternal God, the I am. Now Jesus said to the Pharisees before Moses was, I am. So Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They, they crucified him because he claimed to be the eternal God. Um, so he says, Jesus, he said, when I came into the world, you prepared me a body. That was God's intent. God could not do the work that the gospel describes for you and I without 
using a human. And so he himself became that human. He could not have us with our flaws mistaking. There's no way that we could have been that perfect sacrifice, but it had to be a man. Had to be a man because that's where the authority is. So God makes us in his image and likeness so that he could become human. He made us available so that he could be one of us. That's why he designed us in his image and likeness. And now, now that Jesus has come, God is operating on the earth as a God-man. Jesus was God fully and man fully. So Jesus is operating on the earth both as God and as man. And because of it, the kingdom of God has now begun to come on earth. Jesus is the second Adam, and he is the perfect intersection of God and man. Hallelujah. When you receive him, you receive that door, that perfect passageway to become a blended hybrid creation, not just in the image of God, but God. Hallelujah. That's why you're called the sons and daughters of God. Because Christ is in you. Why did Paul say, hallelujah, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Are we one with him? Is he one with us? Hallelujah. Are we partakers, as the Bible says, of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world? We have partaken of the divine nature. We are a new creation. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, But there is one God and one intermediary between God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus. Now Jesus himself looked forward into the future and he foretold of his kingdom stretching into eternity, not in heaven, but upon the earth. Matthew 19, 28 and 29, Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that you who have followed me in the regeneration. How many of you know what the regeneration is? It is when God reconstitutes or renews the world, renews the earth. Jesus referred to it as the regeneration, the regeneration of the earth. I know the Bible talks about the earth being destroyed and being replaced, but the planet is not broken up and done away and a new planet made. It's simply refined by the fire of God. Its surface is re-sculpted. Its spirit is re-sculpted. It becomes a place that it was always created and intended to be to support the eternal kingdom of God. So Jesus says to his disciples, when they said, Lord, we've left everything to follow you, what do we get? He answers them and says, you have followed me in the regeneration, in the renewed world, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory. You shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And that's also where he went on and said, You who have left houses, lands, mothers, brothers, and children shall receive a hundredfold. Now I thank God for the Lord being a but I have not received one hundredfold of what I have left. But I expect that to happen when his kingdom is fully manifest. Can you say amen? amen? So God who is spirit came into the world as Jesus the Messiah and he created the condition for our eternal fellowship and love with him. Not in heaven, 
but upon the earth. Earth was created to be the home for the eternal kingdom of God. And finally, Revelation 12, 1 through 3 says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And keep in your mind what that means. And there was no more sea. Now, he's not talking about oceans. He's talking about the sea of the, the worldly population that once covered the earth. All the wicked nations of the world, the sea. And so he says, the new heaven, new earth has come. There is no more worldly population, but there is a population. Listen, here it comes. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. Where have we been when this happens? We've died, we've left the earth, and temporarily we've been housed with God in his presence in heaven, but that is not your eternal home. That's not where God intends for you to stay. You've been there temporarily as the bride of Christ. There the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place, and God has had the house fixed up for you. Glory to God. Can you say amen? Had the earth fixed up for you. Praise God. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold the... Well, let me finish that previous sentence. It says, I saw the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice in heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle or the dwelling place of God is with men. Woo, glory to God, hallelujah. It's what God always wanted. God was in eternity past, omnipresent, omniscient, but he was alone by himself. And though he had created angels and the creatures of the spirit world called heaven, God wanted intimate fellowship, and that is what precipitated the physical creation. The creation of the earth and then the universe around it to contain it. It was meant as a place where God could come out of invisibleness and be visible and be with those he had made in his image and likeness and God could have fellowship. Praise the Lord. It's an amazing love story. Praise the Lord. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. That is theologically a blockbuster of a statement because hitherto for, according to the Old Testament, there was no such thing, no possible way that the invisible holy God could possibly occupy the same place as mortal men. But here the Bible says God and his people are going to be together. How is he going to do that? Jesus. Who is Jesus? The eternal spirit. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, bodily tabernacling in Him. He is the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. Why? So that God can be with us. So that we can love Him and He can love us and we can love Him and He can love us and He can talk to us and we can talk to Him. And Somebody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So when we pray for God to manifest His kingdom through us on earth, we're not fighting a battle. We're executing a destiny. When we pray kingdom of God come, we're not wrestling and fighting with the devil. We are decreeing a result. We are establishing a destiny. 
did you know that perhaps you could stretch the term army of God to figuratively include Christians, redeemed men and women, but really the hosts of heaven, the army of God, are the angels. People I love, Facebook is filled with all of these men and women with armor on and bloody swords and shields and everything. And I know it says take the whole armor of God. And there's this image of us fighting. But did you know you are not the soldiers in the kingdom? You are the citizens. You are the princes, the princesses, the children of the king. Hallelujah, the highborn. Glory to God. The armies fight on your behalf. When we pray, kingdom come, will be done, what are we doing? We're not going out and engaging and fighting with the enemy. We are decreeing a destiny. Do you realize that everything we pray is coming to pass? Do you realize that no matter what you're fighting, no matter what you see going on in our streets, it is all temporary. The kingdom of God is emerging. The kingdom of God is coming, and the king is returning. Somebody say, praise the Lord. I'm going to close with these two thoughts this morning. As the ambassadors of Jesus' authority on the earth, we are responsible to him for two things. Number one, we are responsible to emulate his spirit. And number two, we are responsible for loyalty to his word. That's the two things he expects from you and I if we're going to be faithful with his authority in praying the kingdom of God come emulate his spirit and be loyal to his word. In Joshua chapter 1, God tells Joshua only, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Don't let them talk you into anything. Do not give up the position that my word lays out. If my word says life is sacred, you do not have a right to diminish it or to move that meter, not one degree. You are called to be faithful to my word. If you mess with my word, you're messing with my authority. Do all, God said to Joshua, that I have commanded you. This book of the law, this word of God, shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night so that you may be careful and see how to do according to all that is written therein. Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Have not I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. There is a kingdom mandate. The two things you and I must concentrate on. I must emulate the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of boldness. Let us learn to be bold. When it comes time to praise God, open your mouth and praise Him like the Holy Spirit. Cue the crickets. <laughs> Let me try English this time. When it comes time to praise God, how does the Holy Spirit one and praised. When it comes time to decree a truth, how does God want that truth decreed? Emulate the Spirit. The Spirit of God has emotion, and He uses that emotion. And our emotions should be subservient to His emotions. I know that not all of you are excitable types. Some of you are very calm. Some of you are quiet. I understand it, and God understands it. But 
to the best of your ability, let the Spirit form how you demonstrate the kingdom. When the prophet of God came to the, uh, when the king came to the prophet of God who was dying and the king said, I need victory over the enemy. And he, the prophet got off his deathbed and said, give me some bows, give me that bow and arrow. And he gave the bow and the arrow then to the king and he said, I want you to string an arrow and shoot it out the window towards Syria. And so he shot it out of the window. He said, you know what you just shot out the window? You just shot the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. The thing you want from me, there it went. The arrow was shot. He said, now take the rest of the arrows. King took the rest of the arrows. He said, now strike the ground with the arrows. God is not going to tell you what kind of emotion to put into it. He wants to see if you're going to emulate the Spirit. He wants to see what's in you. He's proving. He's testing you. The king had a wishbone for a backbone. And the king took the arrows and you know what he did? He did what most Christians do. He was compliant. Mm -hmm. He did not obey with zeal. The Holy Spirit's a spirit of zeal. God expects zeal from you and I. Did you know that if you lob a, a softball to the plate and God is waiting to hit it, and you just give it enough force to go about five feet and drop on the ground, God's not going to hit that ball? You've got to get it to the plate. Are you listening to me? Do you have zeal? When you act, do you act as the Holy Spirit would have you to act? Hallelujah. And so he struck the ground three times, and the prophet said, well, that's a real pit. That's a crying shame. He said, because you know what? You're going to win three battles, and then the Syrians are going to pour over the border, and they're going to destroy you. You sh why didn't you hit the ground five or six times? Now, you could just hear most people and say, well, I didn't know. You didn't tell me. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You shouldn't have to be told, act like God. You shouldn't have to be told, come on. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. We don't have to be coached all the time. Hallelujah emulate the Holy Spirit. God's looking for that from you and I. Praise the Lord. And finally, be loyal to His Word. Be loyal to the Word of God. God upholds all things with the Word of God. His kingdom is founded on His unbreakable Word. Today, the power of the world is bringing all of its force to bear upon the minds of parents concerning the raising of their children. I'm so tempted to want to go into the illustrations, but we've all seen them. There's no use in bringing them up. Stand fast Amen. in the Word of God. Do not bend. Do not give up what is not yours to alter. God's Word needs faithful stewards. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah.